When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, yeah, you don't need perfect credit, uh uh-huh. Even with credit scores in the 500s, it only takes a cup of coffee to get started. Dig it? Oh, yeah, snap into it. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I am doing great. Just got home. We're kind of, we're doing this during the week, which is unusual. It is. I just got home last night. I was in Springfield, Illinois, and I was in Illinois, not Illinois. Springfield, Illinois. And I, because of our buddy, Jeff Jarrett, who was a part owner in that team. Yes, sir. I was invited to partake in the opening day ceremonies. And this time when I threw out the, the first pitch, I actually made it to the plate. Oh, you didn't bounce it. Congratulations. Didn't bounce it. Now it actually hit the plate. That went but at least it made it to the plate before it hit the ground, which yes. is progress. If you've seen any of my previous first pitches, I've come a long way. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're looking for. You know, improvement. We're not looking for perfection. So bravo well, for that's you. Good. <laughs> I um I'm really excited about our topic today. We're talking about Sting and TNA. There's so much to talk about with Sting and TNA. We saw the Joker character and we really tried a lot of new things with Sting and TNA. And I'm excited to talk about that with you today. But boy, our social media has been going nuts for the last few days because on this program couple weeks ago, you stepped out and, uh, stepped up to the plate. I threw out sort of a silly challenge that I was only sort of tongue in cheek by trying to make a transition to a commercial about our friends at Henson shaving, who still make the best razor I've ever used by the way. And you were railing on CM Punk, how this was a disaster and he's not going to be there and. TNT put out a press release saying he's not going to be a part of collision and blah, blah, blah. And I felt strongly that my man would show up at the double or nothing at the pay-per-view, pay-per-view, at the pay-per-view I recall you say, or <laughs> AEW's debut in Chicago. Now at the time you weren't even convinced they were going to debut collision in Chicago. You were convinced maybe it was going to be somewhere else. Cause there was a rumor that maybe it was going to be at Daly's place in Jacksonville. We saw. Two weeks ago, the following Wednesday after that, it was announced that CM Punk or not CM Punk, but collision was going to be in Chicago. And then as we're recording this, this past Wednesday, Tony Khan announced that CM Punk is in fact going to be on that show. And the internet is undefeated. Social media has had a lot of fun showing images of you without your hair. <laughs> and I'm sure Dave Silva's got some of those ready for us to share because as I understand, you lost your hair in WWE, you lost your hair in WCW, you lost your hair in TNA, and now it feels like uh, <clears throat> you might be getting a new trim. I, you know, I don't. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to go back and listen because I have a lot of very loyal 
listeners on the show, as you do, uh, and followers. And I've had a number of people reaching out to me on social media who have listened to the challenge that you threw out in my response to it. Well, I'm, and I knew you would say that. So Silva, you've got it queued up. Go ahead. Oh, and play are you kidding clip me? Clip where are I lay out the me? challenge. Pretty plain. Why? Here we go. Just let's make a bet. If Tony Khan, if CM Punk is on the pay-per-view this weekend, or he's on the June 17th collision, will you shave your head on this program with a Henson razor? While you're thinking about it, let me just tell you, if he does, he'll get the best shave of his life. You, you are perpetuating the myth that I hate. Khan. It's not a fact. Facts. Yeah. It's not a fact. I don't and know where it comes from either. Here's, here's what we'll do. We'll go back to your bet. I'll, I'll take you up. Oh, as long as if I'm right, you do the same. I was trying to transition to a spot. Do you want to say? Oh, no, 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 no. I take stuff personally like this. I'm committed to my, my beliefs and the things that I say. I stand behind them. All right. Fuck it. I'll shave. All right. Now, here's the deal. Either one of us shaving our heads on camera live is not great video, right? It takes too much time. But what I will do is if, if I lose this bet, I will shave my head with a Henson razor. Mrs. B will take video of it and we'll post that or clips of it. And you will do the same. And, and yeah, let's, let's do it. And I'll show up on this show with a shaved head. If, if you're right and I'm wrong, I'll, you're going to look like Lex Luthor in this motherfucker. And I'm ready. I just wear a fucking hat, man. It's not that big a deal. My hair grows fast. So what kind of hat do you want, Eric? I'll get you the hat. It's the least I could do. You know, I, I, I would like to take a forensic look at that audio tape. <laughs> that very well-placed, or if he shows up at the pay-per-view, pause, pause, or pause, pause, collision. I, I, I need to know that that wasn't put in, in post. The well, fact that you had this clip ready suggests to me that enough thought went into it that you probably arrived at the fact that this is a little murky. I may be in trouble here. I may have to shave my head. So here, hey, can somebody do me a favor and just edit in or? Oh, buddy. I don't know, man. You've been watching too much succession. That did not happen. <laughs> we are not talking about living plus with Logan Roy, but we are going to uh, find a way. Listen, we're having a lot of fun. But I say, if we're going to have to shave your head and I mean, have to, cause you know, you stand on your beliefs and all that other nonsense you said there. Uh, I think we should do it at top guy weekend, make it interactive. It's right around the corner. And let me see if you're up for this. What do you think about instead of me doing it, which I admit would be fun because I would join great company. I think Ric Flair shaved your head. I think Mick Foley shaved your head. I mean, that's half our network. Why not me too? I get it. However, what if we did it for charity? I think you could pick a charity. You, you go ask Mrs. B you guys counsel. We figure out what I it already, is. I already know a charity. I've got it. So we figure out what it is. And then whoever the highest bidder is in the world. And I understand it's top guy weekend. It's for our top guys. And we greatly appreciate our family over at adfreeshows.com. However, in the interest of doing the best we can for this charity, anyone in the world can come in, 
and shave your head for a great cause. I think we could raise a lot of money because man, think about all the people that that could include. What if Tony Khan himself flew his own private jet in the top guy weekend and he wanted to be the one to take that mane off. You're just like, I was so into it <laughs> all the way up until that point. Well, here's look, the thing. I, I, look, I said, look, here's the deal. I made the bet. If punk shows up, there's a lot of time between now and the 17th. <laughs> if he shows up, I will shave my head at top guy weekend. I got another idea too. Maybe we should just make this. If, if, if there's a lot of time between now and the, there he is, there he is, but okay. Maybe, uh, maybe we let two or three of our top guys or gals who happen to be there, you know, pull their name out of a hat or something and they can each take turns shaving my head for charity. I like that. Now I do like that. I will say this. It's unlikely that Tony Khan's going to be coming because as you know, that weekend, he's got a Friday night rampage show. He's got a Saturday night collision show and he's why even bother showing up. No one else will. (laughs) Sorry. I had to, (sighs) I was just there. It was low hanging fruit. I've been on a plane for the last 18 hours. I'm just kind of burnt. So I thought it'd be funny. Maybe not. No, listen, I get it. Uh, listen, I thought it would be so funny that when they announced that the show was in Chicago before they even announced that punk was there, I was like, okay, he's definitely there. I won. Uh, let me see how we could have fun with this. And I tried on the low key to book Brutus, the freaking barber beefcake as a surprise, even a surprise to you and have him come out and cut your hair. And I thought, you know what? I don't know that, that Eric really happen. likes Ed. That would have been fun for fans, but I don't think Eric would have been very happy with me. Thankfully brother Bruda. <laughs> is a uh, book that day. So he's unavailable. So Tony Khan, if you're that's, listening, that's amazing in and of itself. If you want to fly down here to Alabama from Toronto, Mr. Khan, uh, for, it's for a great cause and it would go viral seeing a little buzz cut on Eric. Eric, what is the charity that we'll be raising money for St. Jude? Oh, I love that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's one we can get behind. And of course, uh, we don't want to get behind and talking about the current stuff in wrestling. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that a little more next week. Um, as it is right now, we've got the big Saudi Arabia show in the rear view, the double or nothing show. Did you have a chance to catch either of those or see any of the fallout or reaction before we, I, I, I did not. I literally have been traveling and I, even if I would have been home, I probably wouldn't watch it. I might've, but I wasn't able to. Did you get a chance to catch the, uh, series finale of succession? Not yet. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I've, we've got one more. It's, it's waiting. I may get a chance to see it tonight. I've, I'm, I've got one more ad free shows thing to do after this is done and then, uh, and then I'll be done. So if I'm not sound asleep, definitely I'll check it out. Otherwise it'll have to wait till I get back. I can't wait, man. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to get your take on that. And of course, Seth Rollins being the new champion over in WWE land. He is your new big gold. Uh, provocateur, if you will. I mean, my goodness, like we've got three world titles over there now. I guess there's the What's Roman. Up with that? I mean, what, I know you probably don't talk to Bruce about things like this, but have you got any? I mean, does it make any sense to you? They need somebody to work live events and they don't want to take it off Roman. So why not create another belt? So they did. They did a tournament and it was a hell of a good match. And it looks like, I guess, Seth's first opponent is going to be Damian Priest, which given the job he did at uh, WrestleMania and certainly at backlash I'm excited for, but 
Yeah. Seth Rollins, your new world heavyweight champion, three titles now over on the WWE side of things. And of course, as folks are listening to this next weekend will be the debut collision. And, uh, we get to see a lot of photoshops of you bald in between time. But the reason we're here today (laughs) is to talk about the man called sting. And we've talked about sting a lot on this program, but mostly it was about his time in WCW and not being tan and joining the wolf pack. But now we're talking about staying in TNA. One thing we haven't really discussed is what was your relationship with sting after WCW closed? Uh, it was very good. You know, sting and I became pretty good friends. I am. And when I say that, you know, I'm defined friend, you know, um, we would do things socially outside of wrestling. Uh, Steve saying, and his wife came out here to Wyoming. He was actually looking at a, a really nice piece of property just down the road from me and was really considering, um, moving out here for a minute, I guess. Um, we got very close, obviously, you know, the Sturgis stuff, we wrote a lot together and all that. And we kind of, I don't want to make it sound like we got into an argument or anything, but you know, after WCW, you know, went down, I just kind of removed myself from the world of wrestling and anybody that knows me really well, including my family knows that I'm just not very good on the phone. It's really hard for me to have meaningful conversations, personal ones on the phone for more than a couple minutes. Um, this kind of stuff I could do. I can talk to my computer all day long, but just holding that thing up to my ear and listening to it, it's just, I don't really like to be on the phone anymore and I have to. So I kind of lost touch with Steve and not over an issue or anything like that. We just kind of went our separate ways and did our things until um, I, I saw, I probably, I actually saw Steve on a plane about six months before I went into TNA or even had a discussion about going into TNA. Steve and I just happened to be on the same flight going into Dallas and talked to him on the plane. You know, it was very cordial and we were both excited to see each other. And then, you know, we say, oh, let's stay in touch. And of course we didn't until I arrived in TNA. Were you surprised during that time, you know, after WCW went down, that Sting never made the jump to WWE? No, no. You know, and thinking about Sting knowing that we were going to do this show. Um, one of the things that I really recall about him personally, and this was throughout my, my working relationship with, with Steve, Steve's very guarded. He's, he's, I don't want to say he's an introvert, but at least around the locker room, the venue, uh, he was very, very guarded. Um, didn't really talk that much about it, to be honest with you. But I wasn't surprised because Steve's thought, I think, I don't want to speak for him, but because Singh was so guarded, I, I don't want to say he didn't trust people, but I don't think he had a lot of confidence in how he would be used or utilized in WWE. I just don't, I think there was always, because he, look, he had a couple of conversations over the years with WWE, but he never pulled the trigger. And I think it was just because he just couldn't get himself to trust the process, I guess, in WWE it just didn't feel comfortable. So it didn't surprise me looking for a great mother's day or father's day gift idea. I was, and I found it at paint your life with paint your life. You'll get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. 
You see, Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful, hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Sting, of course, was a part of TNA from 2003 until 2014. It's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, an 11 year run. I mean, that's almost the amount of time the dude was in, you know, Jim Crockett slash WCW. It's a really long time. I mean, if you, and if you think about it, you know, the, the professional lifespan of a professional wrestler at, especially at Sting's level, um, 10 years is a career. Yes. You get, you get a good 10 year run. You, you've had an outstanding career and yes. made a lot of money in the process. And he spent 11 years in TNA. That's crazy, right? It is crazy. And I'm curious from your perspective, was the fact that he was in TNA, did that make it more appealing for you and Hulk in 09, just because you knew his game and his stature in the business and industry? I mean, it was certainly something that we looked forward to. I mean, there's story there, right? There's history there. There's backstory. And we knew that, you know, obviously we could figure out a way to make something work and the, the, the chemistry and, and all that between Sting and Hulk, because they got along really, really well. There was, there's a good professional chemistry and a good personal chemistry there as well. So we knew that that was there, but we didn't really think about it kind of on its own. In other words, I, you know, I, I didn't pull Hulk aside. So, you know, I know you might not be sure about this deal, but stings there. Think about that. That wasn't the case, but certainly we knew he was there and hell, hell of a lot of story there and opportunity as a result. I know this is something that feels like I'm just skipping around, but you've said it before here on the program. So I just want to bring clarity and a reminder, you know, and all the time that, that you were involved in say the business on the TNA side. Was it your understanding that Sting was paid by Spike during your time in TNA? Well, I wasn't involved in any of the business. I want to make sure that that's clear. Um, I never heard that. I didn't really hear about Spike funding anybody in TNA until towards the end of my my tenure there. Okay. You know, I got pretty close to the executives at Viacom, Kevin Kay and, and uh, Scott Fishman. Uh, got pretty close to them and had got a lot deeper dive into the, that side of TNA's business, the relationship with the network. And then that, that's when I heard, it. I didn't know, I didn't know that spike was paying for Hulk. I didn't know spike was paying for me till, like I said, right before the time I left. Uh, you have, uh, talked a little bit about Sting through his career 
And just as he was growing as a performer, as a human being, uh, as a businessman, et cetera, et cetera. How would you describe working with him in TNA? Was, were you guys excited to work with him? Was he open to ideas? Was there anything that you noticed that was different about him? Had he changed from his time in WCW to now? Yeah, he did. And, and I think I would characterize it as just being more relaxed. I, I, I don't think he, I, th I think again, I'm, I don't only hesitate saying these things because I'm trying to get inside somebody else's head and that's always dangerous. But, right. um, my impression, my general impression was that sting was at a point in his life. And I'm talking about overall, you know, his life was very, he was very comfortable in his life. It was, things were going well. He had a great relationship um, he had a good relationship with his kids. I think Steve had reached a point where he probably felt much less pressure than he had previously, certainly in, in WCW. Um, I, he was just more relaxed and as a result, much more open-minded, you know, would come forward with ideas and, and suggestions. And not that he never did before, but he was just much more freely and openly. What did you see Sting's role as when you're in TNA here is, I mean, he's never going to be quote unquote, just one of the guys, right? He's always going to be this larger than life superstar. At least that's the way I always saw him. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great wrestlers on this TNA, uh, roster at the time, but it does feel like he is, he's at that legend status. What did you see his role as at the time? I mean, I think. I think Jeff has talked about how, from a licensing standpoint, sting could have been a potential needle mover for some of those deals. What say you? And again, I wasn't looking at, at sting in, in terms of the business side and what he could mean for licensing and merchandising and things like that. And again, keep in mind, sting had been there for quite a while before I even showed up. Um, sting had been there for four or five years before I knocked on the door and said, hello in TNA. Um, so I didn't really think much about that from my perspective. And again, I was only thinking creatively. I wasn't involved in the other side of things, but for me, you're right. You know, Steve was he, he very much one of the, one of the guys you know, on the team, uh, very supportive, outgoing, friendly would help in any way that he could. Um, but he was still different than everybody else. There was still, it, it's like almost like a, a mystique. He wasn't trying, he wasn't performing it. It wasn't that it wasn't the, the impression he wanted to give people, but um, I don't know. I saw him as he's kind of the ace in the hole. You know, he's that character that you, if you can come up with a great story for him, you know, the Joker character is an example. If you could come up with an idea like that, that's a fresh idea that you could, we could get Steve interested in. He was, he was very exciting to collaborate with. He had a lot of great ideas of his own. Um, but I never really saw him as the face of the company and partly because, you know, Steve wasn't working house shows. Not that TNA did a lot of house shows, but his house show dates were minimal, if any. So he was never going to be that guy. That's what AJ Styles and, yeah. you know, Jeff and, and Jeff Hardy. I mean, there were other people that could carry that championship and, and make better use of it than someone like Sting who really didn't need the title. So Sting was in a way much like Hogan was in WCW. 
I think, for TNA. Um, and probably until Hulk got there, he was probably the best-known person on the roster just because of the amount of time he had spent on television at, at, in WCW. Um, besides you know, Jeff Jarrett and maybe a couple others, I think Sting definitely had the highest Q factor of anybody on the roster. As we discussed, when we talked about the uh, first live Monday impact, which was January 4th, 2010, Sting makes a brief appearance on that show and he's in the rafters and then he's gone until the first weekly live impact show, which was March 8th, which we discussed a few weeks ago. And that's going to be the big heel turn on abyss and, and Hogan. And then he's going to lose to Rob Van Dam in seconds on the very same show. And I've always struggled with. Why would we turn sting heel? Is it because it was just something new and something fresh and something we hadn't seen in a long, long time? Partly. And I think part of it, no, again, I wasn't booking, so I, I can't give you all of the details, but I think from a, I guess just an observational point of view, I, I think sting felt like much like he did when he started, when, when he started departing from the flat top crew cut platinum blonde guy with all the glitter. And he started gradually letting his hair grow out and quit dying it and all that before the, the crow character ever became a thing. I think, I think Sting was just getting a little tired of the same character. Which I understand, you know, you're a performer. You it's fun to go out and give people what they expect and get the reaction when you do and all that. Um, but doing the same thing over and over and over again in the same character over and over and over again just gets to be a little mundane. And I think Singh probably reached a point where, okay, we've got all these new people coming in, new things going on. We're taking another run at this thing. Let's, let's do something different. I'm guessing that's what it was as much as anything else. The story after this is Jeff Jarrett trying to get an answer as for why Sting would turn his back on impact. And eventually in early April, Jeff confronts him in the rafters and a camera is following along. And we see Jeff shouting, where are you at sting? Jarrett found sting and attacked him, knocks him down a couple of flights of stairs and yells, I want an answer. And I want it tonight. And then Taz is asking, why does Sting have to answer for anything? Eventually sting makes a comeback. They fight back on the final flight of stairs. And then they fight all the way down the ramp and. Eventually Jarrett gets the advantage, knocks sting into the ring and starts shouting. I want an answer. And the crowd is chanting. Why sting? Why the lights go out. And when they come back on sting has a baseball bat, he hits Jarrett with it several times. Jeff Hardy's music plays and makes the save. And then sting bails out and Rob Van Dam joins Hardy. I guess the, the big idea here is to build towards Jarrett and sting. Is that just, we think sounds like it. Yeah. Sounds like it. Do you think Sting was was reluctant to be a heel or excited to try something new? I got the impression that he was excited. You know, it, it, look, it was TNA, right? You're you're wrestling in front of the same 450 or 550 people that are there every single time you shoot a show. So it's not like being in a venue with five, six, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty thousand people, right? So the the energy is different. You know, the reaction is different. So I, I think. I, yeah, I got the impression thinking back on it. Now he was, he was very engaged, you know, very collaborative. And that's, that's how you tell if somebody's really into a character or not, or into a story or not is how much they invest themselves into it by adding to it or asking questions or contributing in any way. And, and Steve Sting was very, very active in that, pro, 
process. Was this what you considered the highest and best use of sting? Like I understand that, you know, so at times we can, there's a sense of sameness and it can get stale, but I just wonder, you know, sting as a heel. I don't know that it ever really worked for me. I mean, I, I love the bad guy characters. It's just hard for me to, I don't know. It would be like Ricky Sting. It's not, it's not believable. Is it? It's not, it's not, it's not really, you, you can't allow yourself to fully invest in that because something in the back of your mind is saying, this doesn't feel right. You know, it's not that he did a bad job. It's not even that the creative wasn't great. I think if there was anything, it was just he hadn't quite fully developed as that heel. It's just enough to the point where the audience could forget all those years when he was staying. At lockdown, in the lethal lockdown match, Sting would head up Team Flair, even though they would lose to Team Hogan. The story continues with him and Jarrett. And at sacrifice, they get their singles match. And uh, it's Sting versus Jeff Jarrett, but when Jeff's music plays, he doesn't walk out. And the cameras backstage show that Sting has attacked Jeff Jarrett with a baseball bat, blooding him up in the process. And the referees tell Sting to take it to the ring. And Mike Tanay says he's known Sting for more than a decade, and he's shocked by his actions. He tries to pop Jarrett's shoulder out of its socket. Tanay says it's painful to watch Sting like this. Sting's going to drag Jarrett to the announce desk and rub his blood on the format sheet. Then ram him into the security railing at ringside. Then he throws him into the stairs and then he finally drags him in the ring, hits the scorpion death drop and scores the pin. And Mike Tanay on commentary is going to say sting has lost his mind. Sting leans over, tells Jarrett he wants to play the deception game. He's not different than those guys. And he's not paying the, and he's paying the price tonight. Tanay said, just when they expect answers from sting, they get more questions and then everybody's going to come down to try to tend to, uh, to Jeff Jarrett. And meanwhile, sting is just pacing back and forth in the ring as they put Jeff. That's a cool shot. If you're, if you're able to watch along with us on YouTube, that's a very cool shot of Jarrett down and covered in blood and referees and doctors. And looks like Jeremy Borash perhaps. And then in the background, there's, there's sting standing there looking over his right shoulder with his baseball bat. It's a really cool shot. It's just amazing. You know what we're seeing here. I mean, a straight beat down. And we're showing a character that's kind of unhinged. What do you think the idea was? What is, what's the story we're trying to tell here? And were you a fan of it? Um, it was, yes, I was a fan. I, I was a fan of the idea because it gave us a new character in sting, which, what does that give it? It gives you more story potential, fresh story, potential, different matchups. All of those things are important. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I generally, yeah, I was excited about you, but in sitting here thinking about it now, you're asking these questions and, oh gosh, I'm going to be really careful how I say this. Cause I really don't want to hurt Jeff Jarrett's feelings because I don't mean this to sound like it's going to come out, but I think part of the problem, yeah, I want to call it a problem. I think. Part of the reality of the situation between Sting turning heel is turning heel against Jeff Jarrett. In order for Sting to be a real heel, he had to be taken out a real babyface. And nothing against Jeff's. Jeff is an amazing performer. 
and understand psychology. I've listened when Jeff was in TNA and I was in TNA. One of the things that I always look forward to was sitting down with Jeff in a production meeting and, and giving him the matches that we were going to be producing on that, that episode that required the most psychology. Cause sometimes matches didn't require a lot of psychology, but if, if, if this was a story, if, if a match was to evolve a story or move a story forward or whatever it may be, and, and there was a, a complicated story in that match, I always wanted Jeff sitting in on that because Jeff can lay out a match better than a lot of people I've ever met and worked with. But I don't, and, I, and he was a phenomenal heel. I just don't think anybody really bought Jeff as a babyface to the same extent as they bought him as a heel. He's a great heel character. I just don't think his babyface character ever clicked. And without a really powerful babyface, somebody that's really over, genuinely over as a babyface, it makes a heel turn less significant. I uh, I love that immediately Sting and you are going to get involved on television. Uh, in May, we're going to see you announce the top 10 rankings. And there's even going to be a podium that says TNA top 10. And you announced that sting is number one, but you're going to tell sting that he's going to face Rob Van Dam at slam anniversary next month. But first he'll face Jeff Hardy tonight because he's got to prove that he deserves to be the number one contender and sting is calling right now to make sure that he gets his shot. Uh, Sting's eventually going to, uh, Ooh. knock down the, the podiums that are saying top 10 on him. He's going to jab you in the leg with the bat. Uh, abyss is going to run in. And Sting's going to jab him with the bat. Hardy's going to run in, yank the bat away. You're going to be limping along at ringside. They do a little stare down. Hardy's going to slap Sting. Sting's going to kick Hardy between the legs. Rob Van Dam's music plays. And with Sting distracted, Hardy nails a twist of fate. I guess we're trying to make sure you understand he's a bad guy. He's attacking officials. He's attacking the top baby faces. You got to do all you can to make sure that fans boo Sting. Like, I don't know, to your point, you know, Jeff Jarrett has been a bad guy most of his career. Jeff Hardy, almost never a bad guy, universally loved. If we're going to cement that Sting is a bad guy, he's got to beat up on the widest of white meat baby faces. No, absolutely. No question about it. And then we, you know, I mean, there was a great roster of, I mean, he had AJ styles in there that easily could have been a, a great matchup. And I'm sure it was a couple times over, but yeah, between AJ, Jeff Hardy, as you pointed out, um, there were some, there were some great baby faces there. Makes me wonder why they didn't start out with Jeff Hardy. And because I do think that Jeff Jarrett as his first opponent, as a heel, I just don't think that was the best choice. I, th I think perhaps if it would have, of course, you know, the problem you have with Jeff Hardy is you can't get promos out of them. Short ones, but not the kind of promos that you really need to carry something like Sting and Jeff Hardy for any length of time. Let's do a sidebar here. What do you think about top 10 rankings in wrestling? Like as a kid, I loved it, man. I flipped to the back of pro wrestling illustrated and see who was the top 10 in the NWA, who was the top 10 in the WWF. That was, that was fun as an adult. I know how important it is and say college basketball or college football. Like 
I love that. I'm waiting for the rankings every week, but for wrestling, eh, I don't know. Like I appreciate that AEW tried something with the whole, you know, we're, we're keeping records now. And so there's win loss records and all that. I don't know that it's really hit the way a lot of fans maybe thought it might. Where do you stand on rankings in wrestling? On one hand, I really like it because it gives you, it's a tool. It gives you a framework. It gives you something. If you need to, to talk about, it can be controversial. People can argue over it. You know, you can keep the audience engaged to whatever extent you're, you're, you're willing to. Um, so I, I, in, in that regard, I like it just like, you know, it's like the authority figures right now. It's been done to death, honestly, um, for the last decade or two, it's been done to death, but it's a necessary evil. It's always existed. It's not that, you know, the, the authority figure or even the heel authority figure necessarily it is a new idea. They just used to be called different things. Right. Right. And, uh, and AWA was Wally Carbo. You know, he was the final say, you know, even though Vern was <laughs> running things and booking it. But Wally Carbo was there when you needed him, when you needed that authority figure to come in and make a decision or make a match, an important match or other, anything else that requires a significant announcement. Um, that, that authority figure is important. And I think the same thing could be said for something like, and I love the idea when Tony announced that they were going to, you know, keep track and it's going to be scoring and keep tracks of wins and losses. My first thought was good luck with that. It can be done, but the minute you start going down that path, you limit your creative opportunities because all of a sudden things are not going to make sense, right? You're going to have to stretch too far, too far to make that idea, to be able to execute on that idea for it to have any long-term credibility or, or integrity as a storytelling device. Um, but I was curious if, if they would have been able to figure out a way. It can't be done, but I was really curious to see if they'd figure it out. And clearly, you know, they didn't. It was a short-lived experiment, I think. Um, but I do like the idea of that. I like the idea of some kind of device, storytelling device that you can use to create conflict or create competition. It can be, it can be used very effectively. I think. We, uh, we should mention sting would face Rob Van Dam for the world heavyweight title at uh, slam anniversary. But of course, during the match, Jeff Jarrett returns and costs Sting the title. And after assaulting Jarrett from behind on the June 24th episode of impact TNA president, Dixie Carter would suspend sting for 30 days. Is this. Is this us just trying to make the best use we can and have a storyline explanation for limited dates for Sting? Do you think? Probably had something to do with it. Yeah. Did you notice a difference, like ratings-wise or business-wise, when Sting was there or not there, or was it not moving the needle, and it was just good for licensing? Do you think? You know, it's, it's a great question, and I really I'm shooting from the hip here. I'd have to go back and look at ratings, but my. My impression is that TNA's ratings were pretty stable regardless. You know, take the January 4th head-to-head stuff, you know, that put that off to the side. But if you just generally looked across the board, the TNA ratings were pretty, they were pretty solid. They were where they were. They weren't growing much, but it was the, the numbers really weren't as dependent upon which talents were on the show or not, if that makes sense. 
We should mention that uh, Sting is going to come back uh, to Impact in August. Sting's going to join up with Kevin Nash against you and Hulk. Uh, quote, Hogan then said to Nash that there's no more coming for paychecks, no more minimum effort for maximum money. He said the smoke and mirror days are over. And Hogan talked about how Nash's whole career is all based on politics. Nash then laid out Bischoff. Hogan starts firing away at Nash. Nash retaliates and is about to powerbomb him when Jeff Jarrett makes the stay the save. And Sting comes out with orange face paint, which Tanay noted was the Wolfpack colors. Sting hit Jarrett with a bat shot to the gut and head. And Sting hit Hogan with the chair to the head. Is this too much inside baseball? Smoke and mirrors, maximum pay for minimum effort. Is this too dirt sheet? Do you think? Yep. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. And that's, that's, and it, I don't mean this as a criticism, but that was Russo's go-to. Yeah. Um, he leaned into that inside baseball dirt sheet, you know, online chatter as a storytelling device. And, and I have too, I did, it, it, but not to the extent and as consistently as, as I think Russo did. It feels like we're building towards Sting and Hogan again, which we obviously saw a lot of in WCW. Was Sting, you know, you talked about when Hogan first came into WCW that Ric Flair was one of the few people that he really trusted. Did he trust Sting? Is Sting one of those few people he trusts? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about Bound for Glory. We got Sting, Nash, and D'Angelo De Niro defeating Jarrett and Joe after Jarrett turned heel by leaving the ring and having Joe wrestle alone at the end of Bound for Glory. It's revealed that Sting had been right about Hogan and Bischoff all along as they turned heel with Jarrett and Jeff Hardy and Abyss as they, and in the process, turned Sting, Nash, and De Niro back to being baby faces. This has been discussed a lot amongst TNA fans on social media, the whole, they angle, I, I, I know you kind of probably like that idea at first, but I'm wondering in execution, did you still like it or am I off base? And you never liked it. No, I leaned into it. I liked it. Um, but even just hearing you kind of go back and, and, and frame that, um, too many moving pieces and it happened too fast and without sufficient reason. The, 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 there was no why, right? It was a mystery. And part of that we wanted, you know, the whole idea of they is a, um, kind of a spinoff of who's the third man. I've always, I, I believe after, after the NWO and the success that we created with that, it was obvious to me that anytime you can get the audience asking questions, then you you've got them. Um, and I don't think we provided enough food for thought to get people to really invest in that story because we just did too much too fast with too many people. Well, if you're looking to do too much, too fast with too many people, can I recommend doing it with a real hard ding dong? Today's episode <laughs> is brought to you by blue chew. It's going to help you do it with a lot of people really hard, really fast for a really long time. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up bluechew.com. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple. You sign up at bluechew.com, you consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, 
You receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy and Bluetooth tablets are made right here in the USA. They're prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package, but there won't be anything discreet about your package. Bluetooth wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluetooth.com. Chew it and do it. Seriously, this is going to have your wiener putting them in a scorpion death drop. They're going to be in their own stinger splash when it's all said and done. A little, I mean, listen, you want to have a bat that you can knock people over the head with and win the world title. Why not? You're going to have people coming down from the rafters. They're going to be, well, let me just stop right there. We got a special deal for our listeners. (laughs) Try blue chew free when you use our promo code 83 weeks at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Our promo code is 83 weeks. You'll get your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank bluechew for sponsoring the podcast. Eric, are you going to have to negotiate with Mrs. B when she goes to snuggle up with you? I don't know. We'll call it late June. And you're just as bald as a baby's bottom on the top of your head. Like it feels like you might be needing to prove a point. Maybe you should bring some blue chew down here to Huntsville for top ground weekend. I, uh, I never leave home without it. Oh, there you go. Blue chew. As long as my wife's with me. As long as my wife's with me. Well but, said. Well um, said. Look, I look. It, blue chew isn't something I need, right? No, something it's you just want. Something that enhances everything. So Mrs. B will be thrilled whether I'm bald or not. Trust me. High degree of confidence when it comes to that. On the uh, following episode of Impact, Sting and Nash are going to refuse to join Hogan, Bischoff, and their new group, Immortal. After the promo, they walk out of TNA, but Nash left the promotion for real and Sting was taken off TV as his contract expired at the end of 2010. Were you and Hulk handling any negotiations or business deals at any point? Was this all Spike and Dixie? No, it was all, it was all Dixie. I don't think any, anybody knew that Spike was financially involved until, like I said, towards the end of my tenure there. Um, and I certainly was not, and neither was Hulk. Neither one of us were had any conversations with anybody about contracts. Uh, he would sign another deal and return in February to become the new world champion as babyface by surprising and challenging Jeff Hardy. So he's out at the end of December. He's back in February. Bam. He's a new world champ and as a babyface, And of course that leads <laughs> to the infamous <laughs> match at victory road, which we've covered extensively in the archives. But man, this just feels kind of out of left field. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? All right. He's a bad guy. He's gone. Wait, no, he's not a bad guy, but he's gone. Okay. Now he's back and we're glad he's back. He's a good guy and he's the champ, but he's a good guy who just beat our top good guy. This is a little confusing for me, Aaron. It's more than a little confusing. It's, it's, it's a clown car of creative is what that was. Well, as we know, the whole victory road debacle, which we've covered in our archives over at 83 weeks on youtube.com next up sting would continue to be champ before putting over Mr. Anderson, a slam anniversary. You know, we've heard a lot about unselfish performers. And then we've heard other guys say, and then he rubbed his Fu Manchu and said, that doesn't work for me, brother. Would you categorize sting as being selfish too unselfish? Right in the middle, just right. What, what, what type of performer was he when it comes to helping other talent get over? Would you say, in a, in a in a 
general sense, very, very generous. Okay. Very generous. Probably borderline to a fault. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, and this was not because he wasn't generous or because he wasn't a team player, but sometimes, now this was more in WCW than in TNA. Sting was very cautious. He really liked to think things through. He's one of those guys that you sit down, you can have a conversation with, get a little, get excited about it, you know, a storyline or an idea or an angle, whatever you want to call it. And before he'd fully commit, he'd go home and think about it for a day or two. You know, he could never get him to commit right off the bat when it was something big or something, you know, long-term. He had to really think about it and analyze it. He was cautious. Um, there were times I think in TNA where I saw glimpses of that, but very, very seldom. He was almost too generous, really. You were involved in the finish costing him the match as the Hogan sting program seems to be getting back on track. Did you ever, I mean, this era of Hogan is really the end. I mean, he's going to be wrapping it up here. And I think a lot of people. I mean, it's almost a forgotten little footnote that his last match was in TNA and a non-televised event across the pond. Is that weighing on sting that, Hey, this Hogan's not the same Hogan of 97 and this might be it. Is that a lot of pressure for sting? Do you think to, I don't know, pick up the slack and also honor the biggest legend the sport ever had at the same time. I don't think it was pressure, Conrad. I think it was, and this is, this is classic Steve Borden and, and being generous. I think Sting was motivated knowing that it could very well be any one of those outings could have been Hogan's last time in the ring. But I think everybody was aware of that. And I think if anything, it, it motivated Sting in a, in a little different way. I mean, he wanted to absolutely put together the best match he could with Hogan if he was indeed going to be the last person that Hogan wrestled. I don't think it was pressure, though. I think it was it was more passion than pressure. Let's talk a little bit about what's next, because over the next few weeks, we see Sting displaying a more maniacal character. It feels like we started that with him being unhinged the prior year. But that was 2010. This is 2011. And it looks like we're going to be borrowing from the Dark Knight movie, which had the Joker character portrayed by Heath Ledger a few years prior. I guess it was 2008. A new version of this Sting character. And here's a little recap from the June 16th, 2011 impact. Sting walks into Hogan's office, and Hogan says he's going to follow Sting's contract by the letter of the law. And he'll give him the rematch he wants against Mr. Anderson. Quote, I'm a man of my word, brother. Sting asked if the real Hulk Hogan is back. And Hogan said he is the real Hulk. He asked if it mattered to Hogan that once all the wrestlers worshiped the ground he worked on, he asked if the talk of praying and taking your vitamins was just for the money. Is this the legacy you want to leave behind for Brooke and Nick? He asked and Hogan blows up. That's enough. That's enough. Hogan asks, who do you think you are? And sting says, I'm the stinger. And he yells that he's not finished. He shoved everything off of Hogan's desk and says he wanted to leave. He starts calling him Terry 
and shoves him into the corner and said he could put the facade on his face for him. And it got weird here. And he goes into the Joker mode. Hogan leaned back into the camera view and revealed that sting had drawn red face paint all over his face. This is different. What'd you think? I loved all of this and I know it's weird, but and we're looking at these still images and what you're not getting is the vibe. If yes. you don't hear that dialogue in the, in the back and forth between sting and Hogan in that scene, it does just seem like weird. Like somebody was on acid, right. When they were writing this, but if you see it in its full form, you see that video, it was pretty cool. And, and sting made it. We're seeing a really interesting transition of that sting character, right? We saw sting flat top sequence. Woo. We saw that in WCW for a long time. Then we saw that crow character for a long time. We're still seeing that crow character in a way, but this was another level, another dimension to that crow character. And it definitely was and we borrowed or ripped off. I'm surprised we didn't get sued by somebody actually, but our TNA didn't get sued, but I really liked it. I liked his performance. He did a lot of really cool stuff in that Joker character. A lot of really cool stuff. The next week you call him out, you go down to the ring and call sting an ungrateful son of a bitch and call him down to the ring. And he comes out and you say, Hey man, you snuck in my office last week to have a one-on-one -on -one with Hogan while I was out taking a leak and sting <laughs> is going to mock cry. Whatever shall I do going into like a Jim Carrey mode. And he tosses over half a dozen insults around and. You're going to warn him that, Hey, eventually the real Hulk Hogan is going to surface and, or he warns you. And then you say, no, that actually just won't happen. And on July 14th, he's going to get a rematch against Mr. Anderson on spike TV. And he can change that by putting him in a match against abyss tonight. So he won't show up in any shape to win any belt from anybody. And then he chokes and punches you in the corner, spreads red makeup all over your face and puts you in the scorpion Deathlock. You had spent a lot of time around sting, you know, from the early nineties, all the way through the end of WCW. This is a character unlike any other who was enjoying it more you or him. Oh, it would have to be him. I, 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 I enjoyed it vicariously through him. Cause I knew what kind of a rush he was experiencing and I could just see how much fun he was having. That's man. When you can, when you have the privilege to work into ring with somebody that's absolutely having a blast and nailing it. I don't care if you're a referee or a cameraman or, or you're, you're outside the ring, ready to ring a bell, man. It's, it's fun. And I was just watching sting have so much fun with that character. Again, it was something new for him. It was a challenge. You know, sing always wanted for a long time. Sting wanted to be an actor. He studied acting. I helped. I executive produce and help fund um, an independent film that he did. Um, and he, he really studied acting seriously. And I think that this gave sting an opportunity to pursue a, that different dimension of that, that sting character, crow character in a way that got him really, really motivated and excited. I, I talking about it, thinking about it now, it's like, well, why, why did we ever depart from that? Because that was an awesome character. It could go either way. That's a character that can, could be a heel very easily or be a baby face. It was such a cool character in that regard. 
let's, uh, let's talk about July 14th. We're going to get an episode of impact wrestling. Sting is now going to be dubbed the insane icon. Uh, and he's going to regain the TNA world heavyweight championship for Mr. Anderson after fortune and Kurt angle disguised as the clown minions would attack each member of immortal preventing them from interfering in the match. Uh, so it actually, uh, goes down where they're going to have some bizarre mind games. And one of them is going to involve you. You're going to be sitting behind your desk backstage. And you're going to be talking to bully Ray abyss, Jeff Jarrett, Karen Jarrett, Mr. Anderson, and Scott Steiner. And you're going to tell them that the network has informed you that it's up to you to build this brand and brand the X division based on the success of the destination X pay-per-view and hire more X division wrestlers. Eventually everybody's chiming in and you say, but wait, there's more. And sting walks in with a big cage draped in a black cover. And Hogan's asking, what are you doing? And Sting says he's just making the rounds and he straightens out a picture of Hogan on the wall and then put the cage on your desk. Talk to me about, I mean, listen, Hogan says, man, this is dangerous territory. And Sting's going to prop his feet up on your desk. Karen's going to say he's crazy. Sting says, I've always had a great relationship with the network and well, Talk to me about this. What do you remember of this? Again, because I've seen that clip. That's a that's a popular clip. Yes. Um, it ends up in my timeline, you know, half a dozen or more times a year for whatever reason. And every time I see it, I, I smile because it was just fun to do. That's the only it's the only thing I can the only way I can say it. It was mostly improv. You know, you're working with a bird, and that's always a pain in the ass because you don't know for sure how the bird's going to react. But um, the bird did his job or her job. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, the birds come with pronouns, so I can't screw that up. Um, yeah, it was just fun, man. That's all I can say. It was fun. I was seeing a dimension of, of that character that was so fresh and fun. The bird thing. Is this all just leaning into... The 1997 thing you did on Nitro with the big no, bird. I, I got a thing with birds, man. I just, you know, the Alfred Hitchcock, the birds, one of the, I remember watching it as a kid and it freaked me out. I just hate those bastards in the in, in, in that movie. It's just, wah, 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 wah. it just, man, makes you want to choke them. Uh, now, I don't know where the idea came up. It was probably a Russo idea, but I liked it. It was a good idea. And it was, you know, obviously playing off of the previous bird experiences that, that we had with Sting and WCW, but it's, it was just a cool prop. It was interesting, different. Sting goes on to lose the title to Kurt Angle on August 7th at Hardcore Justice after Angle hit him with a chair, brought to the ring by Hulk Hogan. And Sting uh, continues to torment the head members of Immortal with this strange new personality. And on the August 14th episode of impact, his longtime rival, Ric Flair would make his return to TNA and challenge him to a match. I mean, this is as old as the day is long and, and it always worked. You know, once upon a time, you went to pop a rating TBS and TNT knew, Hey man, just put Hogan in there with sting and ta-da sting agrees to put his career on the line in the match in exchange for Flair promising to deliver him his long awaited match with Hogan. 
should he be able to defeat him, of course. And the match with Flair takes place on Impact. Sting gets the victory, and now we're continuing to build this Hogan story. And uh, the idea is Hogan's agreeing to hand TNA back over to Dixie Carter should Sting manage to defeat him. What do you think of the build for Bound for Glory here? It's October 16th, Sting and Hogan, and Sting's going to get the win. That brings Dixie Carter back to power. After the match, Hogan turns on Immortal, helps Sting overcome the odds in his battle. And this is really the last high-profile match of Hulk Hogan's career. And of all the people it could be with, it's with Sting. What a vote of confidence that is, no? Certainly is. Certainly is. And just listening to the setup of that story, you know, again, the whole control of the company was tired even then, whatever year this was that we're talking about, um, 2010, probably 11. It was a tired storytelling device at that time, but we went with it. We stuck with it. And I, you know, sitting here and listening to it back today, it's just, you know, I, I regret that. I would have had influence over whether or not we did this because it involved Hogan. Um, but I let it happen. I, I, I was involved. I, I collaborated. I was just as guilty as anybody else for using an old device that really wasn't resonating. Um, but it ended up with Sting and Hogan. It is pretty cool. Iconic wrestler Kevin Von Erich just announced his first public tour. The show, titled Stories from the Top Rope, will feature Von Erich sharing insight into his career, personal triumphs, and tragedies. Stories from the Top Rope will go on sale June 2nd at EmporiumPresents.com and will offer a very limited number of VIP tickets, which include a meet and greet and photo op. Von Erich, now 65, will be the subject of a major motion picture, Iron Claw, which stars Zac Efron and is slated for release later this year. See Kevin Von Erich live September 1st in Dallas, September 2nd in San Antonio, September 3rd in Corpus Christi, September 5th in Houston, September 6th in Shreveport, September 8th in Oklahoma City, September 9th in Amarillo, and September 10th in Midland. Tickets on sale at EmporiumPresents.com. It's, um, it's really cool when you think of, and you've told us before, just how hurt Hogan was and how much pain he was in that he wants to do it one last time. And who better to do it with than sting? Um, Meltzer would say once the ring was cleared of all but Bischoff sting and Hogan, they looked at each other and then turned to Bischoff. They lifted Bischoff Bischoff begged for mercy. Hogan wound up and punched him. The crowd cheered. They showed Dixie cheering tearfully at ringside. Hogan said, I'm back. And today said the real Hulk Hogan is back. And Hogan asked Sting, do you want to go? And instead Sting played to the crowd and asked them to cheer for Hogan. Dixie cried at ringside as today said, Sting said he wants Hulkamania back and a loud chant of Hogan. Hogan breaks out Sting and Hogan shake hands, raise each other's arms. Today and Sting said they should, they couldn't believe their eyes and they praise the referee Jackson James, who'd he ever beat, uh, for <laughs> doing the right thing in the end and not succumbing to the pressure. This has to be, I'm not going to say this is a huge 
moment in your career with all the success you had on Monday Nitro. However, the guy who was really the franchise for WCW, the company you enjoyed the most success for sting, the guy who really turned the industry upside down and became the lightning bolt that everybody rode for the highest success in the eighties and the nineties, Hulk Hogan, and your one of your best friends. And you're in there and oh, it's, we're not done. The kid who was once in the WCW magazine commercials dressed up as sting your own son is the other guy in the ring. This is as cool as it gets, man. It it's one of the things I'm, I'm very, very grateful for and, and for my time in TNA because to be able to have that <clears throat> opportunity. And I know we've talked about it before with, with Garrett, you know, once I knew I couldn't talk him out of getting into the wrestling business to be able to be in a position where I could help him and, and get him an opportunity and then watch it all kind of happen, not only in front of my eyes, but in the ring with me, <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Very grateful for it. It's, it's something to see, man. I, um, you know, I'm sure from a business standpoint, yeah, there were, there were higher watermarks, but from a personal standpoint, this is about as a 10 of a 10 day as you can get. I mean, afterwards, are you guys all just going to the hotel bar and drinking a bunch of beer together and saying, can you believe we're getting paid for this? That's exactly what we did. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we did. Yeah, that, it was it was an amazing time. And you know, I remember there was a there was one other time when it really dawned on me, and I don't remember which episode it was, but there was a scene where I was going to confront Garrett uh, on the ramp, and he was going to struggle with whether or not he was going to keep taking my abuse or not. He was conflicted. And then he just did that old John Wayne fade away, turn around and punch me right between the eyes. And I remember before it, now my son, my son's a black belt martial arts. He's, he's, he's much better than I was actually. Um, so I wasn't worried about him um, knocking me out or anything. And he had been trading in the ring. He had been trading by that time for probably a year and a half for two years, started out Rikishi school um, in, in LA and then worked in, in Florida for a long time. So I knew he had the skill set, but I was afraid that he would, because I was his dad, he'd hesitate a little too much. He'd pull, pull the punch just a little too much. And I wanted it to look good. And I remember standing backstage in a grill, and I said, no, Garrett, you've got to really hit me. I'm not that great at selling. I, 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 I can still, it's just make sure you hit me right between, you know, up here in the forehead, between my eyes, kind of stay away from the teeth, but just lay it in there. And after I had that conversation, I thought, what a weird, what a weird position. Now, son, I want you to hit me really freaking hard because I want to really go down because I'm not good at faking it. You know, it's a weird conversation, but it was fun. It's super fun to think about you as a dad getting to do this with your son. And, uh, it, it is sad that this Joker gimmick comes to an end soon after this moment. Do you think there was more juice left in the tank for this Joker persona? Absolutely. I, for the life of me, can't figure out. I'm sitting here racking my brain while I'm answering questions, but I'm thinking about why the hell did we let that go? Why did we let it die? Right. There had to be a reason. I don't know what it was, but there had to be a reason because it was a much more interesting character 
than even Crowsting. Right. Had more attention to it, had more room to move, you know, because he had the, the use of dialogue, right? In in Sting's interviews prior to the, the Joker character, they were still good. Sting's always been a, you know great on the mic, but they were kind of one-dimensional for the most part. And th- this Joker character version of the Crow character, um, I think was just way more interesting because it had more room to move. I absolutely love that Sting character, the crow. And I think the Joker, you're right, had more potential upside, but that's not what we did. Almost immediately, we have Sting being promoted by Dixie Carter to being in charge of TV. And I understand this was popular in this era. Oh, we need to have an authority figure. Oh, let's make it our top guy. So it would be the Hulk Hogan's and the Eric Bischoff's and uh, these, these established legends. And now it's Sting's turn, but man, it was just so fun. What we had, I don't know. It doesn't feel like Sting should be in charge of the television program. Not that he couldn't do it, but the character running it. I don't know. Like how it can just you, makes no sense. Conrad, how can you be the renegade and you're the boss? That doesn't make sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. He wrestles, you know, especially when you think about it. Cause now you've got Dixie, you've established Dixie Carter. We all know she owns the company. Yes. Buck stops with her. And then you're going to give control over everything that we see and hear about to any performer. Why would she do that? goes back to the why of it. You know, if you don't have a believable, plausible why to start your story with, and you can stretch it, you can stretch why into why, you know, you can, you can take some creative liberty. You have to. But you have to start with that basic nugget of potentially true. It's got to be something that could actually happen. And there's got to be a motivation. There's got to be a why. This had no why. Just jumped right into the story. Here's Sting. Here's TV. Half three quarters of the audience wouldn't even know what that means. Right. Right. What does it mean? I mean I've got, I'm in charge of TV. What does it really mean? No explanation. You know, no journey through the process, never got to look at, you know, staying struggling, never made that part of the story. We just threw it out there as a shiny object. Do you think that's a function of trying to do so much programming? Like, you know, you, you and, not, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, you and I have really talked glowingly on this program about how much we enjoy succession. And that means there's like, you know, 10 or 13 episodes a year. But here, man, there's, there's 52 episodes and they're two hours. And in some cases, like a Monday night raw, they're three hours. Inevitably you wind up not always being able to put your best foot forward. And you just wind up throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks on some level. It becomes a function of, we got to feed the beast. So we've just got to keep creating content. And it feels like at times that's what we see wrestling companies do. Did it start to feel like here? Cause you just made a great point about, Hey, Sting's in charge of TV. Well, what does that really mean? And there's no real journey and there's no real story. It's just, okay, well, Hogan had it. Now what if Sting had it? And that was it. And it's like, well, let's see what happens. Talk to me about that. I think it's a combination of too much content, but in TNA's case, that wasn't really the big deal, right? They only had two hours. Sound like they were. It's not like WCW when we had three hours on a Monday night, two hours on a Thursday night, pay-per-view once a month. 
200 house shows a year. It wasn't that in TNA. Um, I think a lot, it, it, a lot more had to do with the fact that there just wasn't really good storytelling going on in TNA. I don't think, you know, Russo wasn't the best storyteller. He thought very short term. He thought hot angles. He thought extreme type of storytelling devices, you know, Viagra on a pole kind of nonsense. Um, but in terms of structured long-term storytelling, that wasn't his forte. And I, other than the aces and eights thing, which I was pretty much mine, um, I really wasn't fully engaged in the rest of the storytelling that went on in TNA. I was involved in it. I had I voiced an opinion about it, but that was really, and this, this applies to the good stuff that happened during that period of time, or if you think there was good stuff as well as some of the stuff not so good. Um, I certainly was there and I could express my opinion, but unless it involved Hulk directly or probably me, um, all I do is give an opinion. It was Russo was really for a good portion of that time, not a hundred percent of the time because Vince had his moments and had to go home and pout to whatever he did. So there were periods of time when I was more involved creatively, but I just don't think there was a disciplined approach or commitment. That's what it was. There just wasn't a commitment to, structured long-term or even midterm storytelling. It was really kind of week to week. Well, Sting's going to wrestle a few more times before getting into a feud with Bobby Roode for the TNA title. And eventually he inks another contract extension with TNA. He winds up being the first man inducted into the TNA hall of fame. Uh, hard to agree with that between himself, Kurt angle and Jeff Jarrett. I mean, no doubt. He's a hall of famer. Was, do you think it was a big deal to sting to be inducted into the impact hall of fame? I don't know. I, I think if it was, it was really because of his relationship with Dixie. I think sting really, really liked Dixie and vice versa. There was a, there was a lot of respect there and beyond just a, a superficial professional relationship. They were, they were very close. They were friends. And for that reason, it probably meant something because it meant, it meant a lot to Dixie. And I think by default, then it, it meant a lot to sting as a result. Uh, sting of course is going to be a major part of the aces and eight story. I guess you really need his story or his star power rather to get this group over when they take him out. I mean, if you're trying to make a statement, you go after the biggest name you can, right? Yeah. Well, we had Hogan in, in, in our sites, creatively speaking. Sure. But to start that story out with sting, who would be better? What was, uh, what was your relationship like with sting when your time in TNA ended? Still good. You know, still good. Um, it, and as far as I know, it still is to this day. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. I just ran into somebody that had recently read this day and talked about that. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, regardless of what happened business-wise, especially between TNA and myself or even WCW and myself, it didn't affect our personal relationship at all. I think, you know, now I don't know how Steve feels now. You know, he's experiencing, you know, kind of a, 
a, a, a rebirth, if you will, of yes. his career. Tony Khan has given Sting an amazing opportunity to go out there and and tell his own story and and, and write the final sentence of the last chapter in his professional wrestling performer's book. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and I think Sting's enjoying every minute of it. You know, if he's if Sting's going to be in the UK in front of 60 or 70,000 people or whatever it ends up being, that's going to be a real high point for Steve at this point in his life. But up until this point in his life, when he's having the opportunity to kind of relive, if you will, uh, something that was very important to him, I think Sting would have told you that being a part of the launch of Nitro and being a part of the NWO story and all of that in the, Character. I think he probably looked at his career, that being the highlight of his career, at least in some respects. I think Ric Flair putting Sting on the map was probably the first real high point in his career. But that period of time in WCW when we were rocking and rolling, we gave birth to this croak, you know, Sting character. I think that was probably one of the happiest times, professionally speaking, in his career. And I think he looked, and I was a part of that. I helped make that happen for him in, in a small way. Steve did it. He was the athlete, the performer, but everything that we did gave him an opportunity to rise to a level much higher than anything I think he ever thought he was capable of, of reaching in WCW, not because of Steve, but because of WCW. Were you surprised to see him finally join WWE in 2014? It had been a long time coming, man. 13 years later. I, I wasn't surprised. I was really happy for him. I lost my enthusiasm, not my enthusiasm, but I, I start, I started to get a little bit concerned when it was going to be a match because I just didn't, I wasn't convinced that Steve should be doing a match because the injuries, his age, having been off for a long time, those are a lot of odds that are stacking up against you, no matter who you are. I, I would have been a lot happier to see him get inducted into the hall of fame and get Get his just due and respect that he deserved and kind of leave it at that. Regardless if he would have gone over or not gone over, that that to me that didn't matter nearly as much as is this is this how you want people to remember your last match? And I I was disappointed in that. But getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, no, I wasn't surprised. I was very happy for him for that. Were you shocked to see him debut with AEW? And my man's taking all kinds of crazy risks. He's jumping off of mezzanine levels onto folks. Like this is, uh, it's almost like sting and, and perhaps Dustin Rhodes. They found the fountain of youth, dude. Yeah. I was surprised that sting w w wanted to work again in the ring. I mean, <laughs> doing it a long time. Same with Jeff Jarrett. You know, I admire the hell out of Jeff Jarrett. I, and, and certainly sting for the same reason, man, it, it's one thing when you're in your thirties and forties and even your fifties, early fifties to, to get in there and do what Jeff and sting and others are doing. I mean, it's physically tough, but it's just the process. It's a, it's a big commitment. And I was really surprised that, that sting would take one more run at it. I was happy for him. Clearly he was doing something he wanted to do. And I'm, I applaud anybody that's able to pursue their passion and, and do so successfully. 
man, I was like, I can't believe he wants to get back. And again, you got the injury issue. And instead of just coming out and working around it, he's flying through the air with the greatest of ease. I'm just like, what the hell? What are you doing? What's in the water down there in Texas, Steve? I'm going to move there. What, what do you think uh, Sting's legacy in the business will be? I think he'll, he'll, I think Sting will go down as one of the more diverse and still popular characters. You know, I mean, when I say that, you know, you look at Chris Jericho and he's reinvented himself so many different times and he's been very successful with it. But if you look at the level of success that Sting's had during certain aspects of his career, WCW, early WCW, after Ric Flair put him on the map and WCW put a rocket on him, that was an amazing character and amazing time. And Steve reached a super high level of performance. And then he transitioned late nineties. He's a crow character. And now he's doing what he's doing to be able to entertain millions and millions and millions and millions of people over decades. It's just one hell of an accomplishment. And I think Sting will go down as one of the more exciting, energetic and interesting performers out there. Well, I'll tell you what the, uh, the thing that people knew sting for in the California area, once upon a time was not being an in-ring general was not being the flag bearer for WCW against the rival NWO. They knew him as real estate, Steve. And my mission here at save with Conrad.com and buy with Conrad.com is to get you into a house of your own. No more renting. It's easier than you think. My most recent review over at conradreviews.com is from a fellow named Austin in Branford, Florida. And he wrote, Clint was super nice and easy to work with. Never knew you could buy a house with just texts and emails. Man, we make it so easy to buy a house. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. In fact, you can be approved today. That's right. Not pre-approved, actually approved today. And there are in fact, no money down loan options. You can buy in the County. You can be a veteran. We even have down payment assistance programs. And by the way, FHA only requires a three and a half percent down payment. So there are so many options, but step one, figure out what you want your new payment to be. That's right. At SaveWithConrad.com and buywithconrad.com, you pick your monthly payment and you pick your down payment and we take care of the rest. And when I say the rest, I mean it. We've got realtor connections all over the country to help you get a great deal. We heard from real estate, Steve, let's hear from a new real estate friend right now. Grano with Keller Williams Infinity right here in sweet home Chicagoland. And I'm thrilled to be partnering with Save with Conrad to bring you the absolute best home buying and selling experience right here in the city and suburbs of Chicago. Hey, everybody has an opinion about the housing market and where it's going, but always remember context is king. Real estate is hyper-local and finances are personal. So before you make any decisions about your current or future home, be sure to call me for a one-on-one -on -one consultation where we'll lay out the best game plan for you and your unique situation. For more information or to schedule your one-on-one -on -one buyer or seller consultation, call or text me at 708-404-0698 or visit me online at chrisgrano.com. And thanks again to the entire team at Save with Conrad for being the best damn tag team partners in the business. So there you go. Chris can hook you up and help you buy a house right there in Chicago. And, uh, if you're a realtor who's looking to grow your business, may I recommend connect with Conrad.com 
We're looking to partner with real estate professionals around the country. We want to get some folks out of their apartments, Eric, and into brand new houses. And it's cheaper than they think. Yeah. Out of their apartments and into a house and maybe walk away from a lot of those uh, credit card debts. And I mean, there's, there's, there's ways that you can make this thing happen for yourself. And it's, you know, you drive around, you listen to the news, you read the newspaper, it's like doom and gloom and oh my gosh, you know, people aren't going to be able to afford this or afford that. But uh, I encourage people to reach out to save with Conrad and take a good hard look at what you really can do and what you can't do. I think you might be surprised. Listen, Eric, you know, I appreciate you said that there's lots of speculation on, but this might happen or that might happen and sort of doomsday prepping type advice, uh, in, in the financial sector online. But I just want to ask you this, Eric, if you don't mind me asking, cause you just recently celebrated a birthday. Uh, how many years young are you now? 68. So in your 68 years walking God's green earth, how many times have you personally experienced this conversation or have you heard of a landlord approaching a renter and they said something along the lines of, you know what, Mr. Renter, we've, we've, we've met about it. We've talked about it. We've prayed about it. And we've decided we're going to lower your rent next year. Have you ever <laughs> heard of that ever? Rent no. always goes up guys. That's the story. Rent always goes up. So there's this discussion about, should I buy now? Or should I wait until the rates? Here's the reality. It's a less competitive market right now. You can get a better deal than you ever could in the last few years right now. And interest rates are going to go up and down. Guess what? That means your house payment can go down and that's up to you, but your rent will never go down. It will always go up because historically home values just go up and up and up. Find out how easy it is. Your new house payment could be less than your current rent at savewithconrad.com. So listen, let's do a few questions. Then we'll put a, a bow on this one. Yambag Jones wants to know, was Sting ever tan enough to win the TNA title as much as he did? Sorry. I couldn't help myself. Uh, yeah, I, 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 Sting's tan game was pretty solid by the time he got the TNA. Of course he knew that Hogan and I were coming in and I'm sure he started working on his tan based on previous experience. Yes. He learned tan free. You know how that works, right? Yes. yes. So yeah, I, th I think, uh, Sting's tan game was definitely on point in TNA. Uh, Mr. Lopez wants to know what is it about the crow sting character in your opinion, that's made the character relatable to the audience decade after decade after decade. That is interesting no. because he's still kind of sporting the same version of this crow character. He debuted in 96. I mean, we're nearly 30 years deep in this thing now. Jeez. Wish you wouldn't have said that. <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just. It's the mystery of it. I think to a degree that character just has the ability, depending on how you use it and portray it to be that secret, dark, brooding, scary guy that, you know, is going to explode at some point. You just don't know when and where, and that, that's a, that's an interesting dynamic for a character. Um, and I think part of it is just the legacy of it. You know, people sting crow WCW. 97, 98, whenever it really got caught fire, I think was one of the most exciting aspects of Sting's career. And people remember that. It's the same reason that people listen to this show and, and Bruce Pritchard's show and Arne Anderson's show, because that nostalgia and people's relationship to those characters and even professional wrestling as a whole at that period in time in their lives is still something that resonates and puts smiles on people's faces. 
We got some questions from our ad free shows family. Want to give a shout out to everybody who, uh, who showed up and showed out for us. We had a, a heck of a crowd tonight. Uh, little Jimmy Sorensen, shout out to you. I know you don't get to attend a lot of these. Mick Mack was here. Bryant was here. Josh was here. And Josh has terrible ideas about hair shavings. Jeremy priest was here. Shout out to him. I uh, mean, we can just go on and on. There's so many folks here. Greatly appreciate you guys all checking in. Of course, we always advertise. Man, you get the shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. Does it get any earlier than being a part of our live studio audience? And as a matter of fact, there's bonus content each and every month. Uh, so much so that as soon as we finish this live taping, I mean, as soon as we finish this, you're going to be sitting down and hosting a super fun live chat over on adfreeshows.com with Buff Bagwell. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. I'm looking for, you know, Evan asked me uh, the other day if I could do that tonight and I knew I was going to be getting in late, but it's like, you know, no matter what, I'll just fire up the coffee maker and pound a half a gallon of coffee and do that show. Cause I'm really looking forward to it. And it's so much fun interacting with, with our, our family over at Ed free shows because we get a good turnout. Well, thank you guys for checking out our show today. I hope you'll subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's 83 weeks on youtube.com. Uh, and of course you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. By the way, it's easy to grow your business by advertising on this program. If you'd like to advertise on 83 weeks, it doesn't get any easier than just going right to our website, uh, advertise with Eric.com. If you'd like to hear Eric and I have a little fun with your spot, like we did with our Bluetooth spot today and next week, man, we're going to have some fun talking about great American bash 2000 and what a stinker of a show it was. Oh, good. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Here we go again. A human torch match, Eric Hogan versus Kidman, Rick versus David flair, father versus son, and so much more that's coming your way next week. But before we get out of here, I want to ask you a question that our, our, our fellow Mick Mac, uh, he's a, a member of our ad free shows family. He asked in various ways, why did you never make shutter speed two? And I had to go look up what in the hell is shutter speed. And it turns out it was a movie that came out on television in the year 2000, an hour and 26 minutes. Steve Borden, AKA sting is going to play a character named Riley Davis and Daisy Fuentes is going to be playing Kenzie Pearson. And, uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, Seattle police detectives. Narcotics and homicide division and stings right in the middle of it. I know that you like to make, you know, content for Hollywood and things like that. And sting certainly at least dabbled in it here with shutter speed. Did you see shutter speed? what did you think? And did you ever consider working with sting on a Hollywood type project? I think I was the executive producer of shutter speed. What? I, go- I had no idea. I think so. I have to go back and look. I think I got, I think I got executive producer credit for that one. Wait, you're not sure. No. Oh my God. You're right. You and Jason Hervey were the, were the executive producers. I, I, I love that you have, I'm not sure if I was executive producer on that or not. You know, I am 68. What the hell, Eric, you just forgot. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty impressive. Tell us about shutter speed. Um, I think we, we produced that. I, w- I worked with Peter Goober in his company, Mandalay entertainment. Mandalay is a very, very big, uh, movie studio, by the way, Peter was a former CEO and chairman of Sony pictures, USA. 
So Peter has a, a, a long and very successful career in Hollywood, making movies and television. So it was an opportunity to do something for Steve because I wanted to help his career. I wanted Sting to, you know, what part of the, one of the reasons I was able to hold on to Sting perhaps, and maybe he wasn't quite as interested in jumping ship, was because I was able to help put deals together that allowed Sting to be a part of a show like a movie like uh, Shutter Speed. So I helped create those opportunities outside of the wrestling ring. So that's what I remember. I was very happy. It was a good thing for WCW too. It's It was important to me to prove to the network that our talent roster was diverse enough and talented enough to do things outside of the ring for the network as well. And this was a perfect example. of it. I, uh, I can't wait to talk more about your time in Hollywood. I feel like there's so much left to learn there and discuss, but next week, boy, are we going to have fun? If you like podcasts where we make fun of bad wrestling, tune in next week. Oh, you're such a dick. WCW in the year 2000 was accurately described by our great close personal friend, Tony Schiavone as a coffin on roller skates. And we're going to see how fast we can get downhill next week, right here on 83 weeks with Derek Bischoff. Fight plus is the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment. And they're now offering a free seven day trial at tryfight.com. fight plus is packed with a premium live event schedule over a thousand hours of live action every year in a library of more than 4,000 hours on demand plus exclusive content. You can't get anywhere else. Fight is a great partner of ours. They support us, so let's support them. Give that free seven-day trial a shot, and you'll be a member for life. That's tryfight.com. T-R-Y-F-I-T-E dot com. Hey, guys, need to call a quick timeout here. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my listeners over at OU didn't know for a while now about all the cool things happening over at adsfreeshows.com. On a bonus episode of Arn, the Enforcer watches back Beach Blast 92 with the ultimate heel and baby face in Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat. Draw me a baby face. Something that everybody could get behind. Kids, women, old folks, young folks, men, you know, all guys wanted to be him. Women, I'm sure, wanted to be with him. Uh, He was the all-around package. On volume 55 of the Ask Conrad series, Conrad talks about some of his dream podcast partners, including a couple of degenerates. You know, from inside the business and taking over and NXT and all that, I don't think you could get a better podcast partner than Triple H there, just because he's done so much. However, if you're talking about wanting to learn more about the psychology of wrestling and what makes a match and how to develop talent and all that, could you beat Shawn Michaels? That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why ads-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adsfreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.